Okay, bonus episode time. Yeah, this was originally going to be part of show number 62 of AWO, but as you might have guessed with many of our convention reports, it was running a little bit long. So I'm splitting it off and putting it up just so we have something out since the key to podcast success is content and having it out on time, which we don't do as evidenced by the fact that we're nearly at our two-year anniversary and we released exactly half as many shows as we released our first year. Whatever. Anyway, here goes. We've already talked about AWA before. We talked about AWA from last year, which we also attended. Back in show 39. And a lot of the basic details are pretty much the same. It was in the same place as it was last year. So all of the kind of basic details about the convention, if you really want to know about that kind of stuff, you probably want to go back and listen to that episode In order to save time, we're just going to kind of jump right into the actual con itself and what we did. We got to Atlanta Thursday evening, at least Gerald and I did. And then we headed over to Daryl, I believe it was your hotel room. Right, because we were staying in separate rooms. I actually flew in. This is the second time I flew into AWA. Although the Mm -hmm. first time I flew in, I had a total tragedy due to a hurricane shutting down the airport. Yeah, we were both stuck. I actually met up with Paul Chapman from Greatest Movie Ever podcast. This was his first AWA. First AWA ever. First con out of the state, I believe. So, yeah, we headed into Daryl's hotel room for the first of the many interviews that we would be conducting over the course of the convention. And at some point, we'll get around to doing the audio for those in some of these episodes that we release, or maybe in between as bonus episodes, because we have just hours and hours of audio. Yeah, it was actually uh, the first interview we did was with Walter Amos and Rob Fenelon, whom we'd meant to interview a year ago, the last <laughs> AWA, it ended, and we talked to Walter and Rob and gave us their contact information. We were like, yeah, we'll get you on the show and interview sometime. And we're very bad at following up with people. <laughs> I still have not gotten Ryan on the show or Carl or Neil. And yeah. Those are all the yeah. people who have been for well over a year saying, yeah, I want to get on the show. It is not that we are forgetting about you. What it is is that we know they want to talk about certain shows. Right. We have to yet watch those. We watched all of, say, Captain Tyler. Or right. whatever it is that we were going to talk about. That is what is the holdup. Not to mention as our schedules get more hectic, sometimes we don't always record on the same schedule that we used to. So it's kind of hard sometimes to know when we're actually going to get to sit down and record the thing, which makes it kind of difficult to coordinate with guests. And we also know that if we have a guest on, it's going to be a minimum of three hours that we're talking with them. Yeah. So, so long story short, we brought the podcast to them. AWA, and most of our weekend actually was spent recording podcast interviews, which you will eventually hear. Yep. Yep. Promise. So, yeah, we talked to Rob and Walter for quite a bit of time, a few hours. Paul Chapman was there as well. Aaron and Noah, too. Yeah, I actually had Um, to leave halfway through the interview to pick him up. Yes. I was supposed to be finishing up the second season of Avatar The Last Airbender, which I was ordered on pain of death by Aaron and Allison to watch because the season three premiere was going to be Friday. Avatar season premieres are always on AWA weekends. And so whenever I'm there with all the other cosplayer people, they're always going into heroin withdrawal because 
they know that the new season of Avatar is on and they can't watch it because they're in a hotel that is within an exit or two from Cartoon Network. So it's total Turner right. country and there's no Nickelodeon in the hotel. So they're all just going insane, yeah. trying to get on a wireless, see if they can find a torrent encode or something. Right. So we were supposed to watch it, but I hadn't quite finished it up. And our interview with Rob and Walter ran quite long, so I wasn't able to finish but you know what it's worth it to talk to those guys because they always have really interesting things to say thankfully as you can probably tell aaron and allison decided not to actually kill me yet well the yeah, thing is that it may I, be coming. I thought the hotel did have nickelodeon no no it absolutely did not have nickelodeon <laughs> i just flipped through the channels quickly and i probably mistook nickelodeon for cartoon network just flipping through it really quickly maybe and- After we finished that... At like three or four in the morning. Yeah, by that point it was pretty late, so we pretty much turned in to get up ridiculously early on Friday so we could get badges and get to panels. Although Friday didn't actually start as early as I expected it to. Opening ceremonies weren't until noon. Opening ceremonies at AWA is usually at noon. Most cons have opening ceremonies at like 7 p.m. And they figure, let's mm-hmm. try and open the con with opening ceremonies and see what happens. The right. previous year they tried this, there were issues with the registration line such that not very many people had their badges and thus opening ceremonies was kind of empty. And also the line for registration was directly in front of the main events room. And so... It was hard to get in. Yeah. This year, it seemed that there were a lot more people at opening ceremonies, so I think the reg lines were going a lot faster. Gerald, you and I did not make it to opening ceremonies, but I can't no, remember um, why. I made it to opening ceremonies, and I got to throw candy at people, because that's what happens at opening ceremonies at AWA. <laughs> I actually made Dave it... Dave Merrill throws candy at the audience. <laughs> I made it to the end of opening ceremonies, so I did get mm. to see that. And I okay, did you, got, see... you had to see me just run up and help people in the face with candy. No, I didn't. I, <laughs> oh, I got to see... It was a good time. I got to see the introduction video for their guest of honor. So. Uh, the guest of honor, which was made by Walter Amos, incidentally. Yes. Yeah. The first thing that I was able to get to was a panel that started at 2 p.m., which was the History of Magical Girls, which, Gerald, you were at as well, weren't you? You'd look at this and you'd think, oh, my God, this is going to be terrible. Like, history Yeah, that's of- actually what you were saying as you're looking at the schedule. like, oh, God, it's going to be terrible. And then, like, you went to it. Oh, man, the guy hosting this was a total creepy pedophile. <laughs> And then I looked at and see who it was, and it was Ed Hill. But thankfully, it was actually a really good panel. Yeah, um, it was actually well an done. excellent panel. Yeah. Yeah. Ed Hill is a really cool guy. Yeah, he, he actually, had a lot uh, of clips of um, classic Magical Girl shows that I really wish people would fan sub. And, and these were not um, things that he just pulled off of YouTube. These are like no. laser discs that he has. And he actually addressed all the issues that people had on their minds about the really creepy aspect dual of Magical Girl. Uh, dual fan like, base. Yeah, eight-year-old girls and 30-something-year-old men. Of which Ed Hill is one. <laughs> but he showed some excellent clips, and that was a very well-done panel. Yeah, it, so. was a very, it was a very good overview of the different highlights of shows and sort of the progression that the magical girl genre has gone through. And now I really, really want to see Anko-chan from Anko. early 90s. Anko-chan. Anko-chan from the early 90s. I really want to see that show now. I think that's just the opening of that show, though. It's like that. I don't think that any of the actual show has anything no, to do you, with that. No, you were talking about the closing credits. Or the yeah, closing the closing credits. credits are. I've seen those closing credits. For those people who don't know, it's basically all these famous 80s movies. movies. Like Beverly Hills Cop yeah. and Robocop and Back to the Future. And Indiana yep. Jones and yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But it is a very good ending credit sequence. Yeah, yes. I, somebody had put it on the end of a fan sub tape that I had years ago. And I spent forever not knowing where it was from. 
Yeah. But I think that History of Magical Girls panel, right off the bat, kind of establishes how AWA is different from so many of the other conventions that we go to. Yeah. What other con would even put a panel like that, let alone have a panel schedule dominated by panels with content of that nature, like that sort right. of idea? Yeah. Not very many. And so I recommend that people travel to AWA because there's yeah. all sorts of history of and overview type panels. And what's amazing is that they can hold these panels and these panel rooms are full. And so yeah. that shows you that if people pull this bullshit at other conventions and say no one will go to them, they're wrong. Because people obviously will go to them at some point. Well, sometimes it's an issue of audience. I'm sure that some cons get different audiences. I mean, when we were at JannyCon, pretty much nobody showed up for Jan Scott Fraser's panel on translating manga. Right, it was just us. At AWA, that would have drawn a much larger crowd. AWA, because it is a large convention, does tend to draw a lot of people from around, so you get a pretty wide range of interests, and they're able to kind of cater to everybody. Although it kind of has the other effect for people like me who have multiple interests, I never really get to go to all the things I want to go to because they're setting these things up opposite one another to cater to different subsets of the audience. And if things overlap, you got to choose between one and another, which is right. not something that we're used to here in Florida. Yeah, I usually miss most, if not all, of the AMV content, for example, because it's happening at the same time as all these other panels and events. And AWA, mm -hmm. just to reiterate, is kind of the number one AMV con. There's yeah. the video art track, which is just nonstop. AMVs and nothing but. And that's basically where Otaku Generation and Dyson Chu EX were the yeah. most of the time. We got to meet uh, Alan Chase there. I've met them before from Otakon and such, and it's always right. nice to hear from them. But they're always super involved with Iron Editor. It's like Iron Chef, only you have to make an AMV in I a very that short was amount their of time. Thing. It is their thing. It's, okay. They're very involved with it. Okay. And so that's kind of what dominates a lot of their time. Yeah. Yeah. What happened after that? In the was it writing for anime? Maybe that was the next thing. Was writing for anime with Helen McCarthy? No, it says writing for anime is Monica Rial and Mike McFarlane. So that's okay. Like so it's writing, writing like dub scripts. I did not go to that. These people the need to be careful about saying they write for anime when they just adapt scripts. There's so many times when you go and you see like those guys, and they always say that. It's still writing, though. I remember when Galaxy Express 3.9 came out, when Viz did their release of it, and the credits said, written by Trish Ledoux. Yeah. And people went apeshit over that. Come on, you didn't write this movie. Right, you right. did yeah. the subtitle script, or you helped do the dub. It's just, it is writing, but it's sort of misleading. Yeah, I mean, I it's, definitely yeah. think that that sort of credit goes too far. And, I mean, with some adaptations... There's more creative writing involved than others because some are more heavily rewritten. If you look at something like, say, the Crayon Shinchan dub, there's a lot more writing, writing involved going on. in that because yeah. they're writing new jokes and all that sort of stuff. Whereas some other adaptations are much more straightforward and so there's less actual stuff being created by the adapter. Anyway, moving on. The next thing I can remember that we went to is Dave's Fandom in the Before Time panel. Dave yeah. III's panel. Yes. Sorry, I they hold this uh, every year, for every year that I've gone. As you can kind of tell from the panel name, it's basically what anime fandom, not necessarily anime or manga itself, but the English language fandom was like a couple decades ago before the internet was as popular. It basically just sort of discusses things like fanzines and APAs, and the CFO, which are things yeah, we've we're going to talk about. all about that stuff in these recordings we did because we yeah. talked about it with Walter and Rob, and we did get well, some we've, we've talked with about Dave the Third as well. And, and I would also 
we've had it, interviews on this show before that have talked about the CFO and all right. That. And I'd also like to mention because this is a good time to bring it up that very late at night at Midnight Madness, Ryan Gavigan pulled Clarissa and I aside, and he gave us a folder full of ancient anime fandom material, including CFO bulletins yep. and things like that. And this is purely on a uh, rental basis. Gerald and I are going to be working to scan this stuff yep. in and get it up somewhere and hopefully start some sort of archival project that yes, people can actually this... get a chance to look at the stuff, because this is the history of fandom. And yeah. I think it's, it's interesting for people to be able to go back and look at what it was like all these years before when things operated somewhat differently. Yes, I'm well underway with that, and I will maybe put up some samples of this. this you is haven't given me my portion. To yeah, that's how it is. I need to. No, let, the next time you're over, I'll give you yeah. a portion. But, will but, uh, do. This is just a, as a call out to any of those people. If you trust us to send your precious stuff to us, we would like to maybe start an archival process of yeah. old fanzines, old yes. posters. If you're not capable of scanning it yourself, then hopefully maybe you can get it to us or somebody else that you know and trust who can get it scanned and send yeah. it along. I actually wasn't there for Midnight Madness. I'm not entirely sure why, but this is the first AWA ever in the history of me going that I did not get to see much of Anime Hell at all. I saw maybe the last 15 minutes and that was it. And I also didn't get to see much of Totally Lame Anime with Neil Nadelman other than about 15 minutes and that was it. Right. Because we were doing other things. Yeah. I don't even remember what where I was Friday at midnight. I think I was at some point trying to weasel out of a bet that I lost <laughs> that I didn't really weasel out of. I more got stood up. That's my official excuse. I think you did the standing up. I think so. I was there on time and I waited an hour. They had their chance on prom night, nerd prom night. <laughs> but that's why I didn't get something. That was Friday night, wasn't it? Yes, it I, was. I remember it was kind of a bad situation because Tim Eldred, who we've talked to on the show before and who posts in our, our blog comments fairly frequently and is a, an awesome guy, went to Japan recently Yes. and had a whole bunch of photographs and neat stories to tell about his trip to Japan, which we are all drooling over. I am absolutely getting to do ourselves. I'm absolutely and, um, devastated because I promised to go to his panel. Yes, 9 p.m. on Friday, he had a panel simply titled Tim in Japan, where he was going to display his photographs and talk about his trip. We were all going to go to that, except at the last minute, Daryl got a phone call, and Gerald and I also got sort of taken aside, and we got a really amazing offer that was really hard to pass up. And this offer was that several of the con staff and guests and such were going to dinner with Nobudu Ishiguro-sensei, who is the director of Macross and Legend of the Galactic Heroes. And Yamato. Yes, he is a producer at Artland Studios, which uh, recently did Mushishi, which is a pretty popular show. Don't forget and Bubblegum Crash. <laughs> Can't forget about Bobagum Crash, no. As Jan Scott Fraser reminded me at Genicon, this man is single-handedly responsible for a great deal of the anime industry. And yes. Very, very many things, and people would not be there today if it wasn't for him. And so the opportunity to actually go to dinner and talk to him was something... We, we couldn't really say no to that. That's why I missed Hell and Totally Lame Anime for the first yeah. time ever, because I was like, 
I'm never going to get the chance to do this ever again. I have to do it. Yeah, I mean, I caught yeah. the beginning of Totally Lamb Anime. I mean, I Same. caught um, Frankenstein, I think, and Dracula eating a hamburger. It just dawned on me at the end. It's like, wow, I've been using the same stuff for like seven <laughs> years now. People still seem to like stuff. it. i more stuff. I can use this. There's but always new be people, nice I guess. It's to see some new things. Oh, there's always oh, like yeah. a thousand people uh, there. Like, yeah. literally a thousand people. There's always people that it's their first convention or they've just never been to AWA before or maybe they've just never made it to that event. So, yeah, there's but, always yeah, people was, who haven't seen the stuff. But It was really amazing being able to chat with Ishiguro. Unfortunately, we did get to chat with him a bit and we didn't get this material in audio format. No, because I mean, this we were, was dinner, so it wasn't It's dinner, really it's cool. a loud place, it's Walter pounding the table, talking about politics, making Gerald really <laughs> mad. It was really good, I was, I, was yeah. really tr- I was really hard, though, because I kept trying to listen to Ishiguro, but at the same time I was trying to listen to Rob and the rest of them, because there were two really interesting conversations going on. Yeah, I didn't really hear what was going on on that side of the table. Yeah, like my Helen brain McCarthy. was about to explode by trying to listen to two conversations at once. It's like, I, I was able to hear Walter perfectly fine. Yeah. Unfortunately, we only got to chat with Ishiguro right at the end of dinner. Yeah, but we got the important part right at the end. <laughs> and as a side note, I did ask him about the uh, Megazone 2-3 TV series. That is in production, but because of the Evangelion movies, it is going to be delayed for a number of years. Right, because of various high-profile mm-hmm. projects that all came out this year, revivals of older things... They said, we will hold off on also doing Megazone because it'll just be one thing in the sea of all these other things that came back. Yeah, apparently Ava was sapping resources from everybody, at least certainly from Artland. So it's still happening. And we forgot to ask him that in the actual interview that we did get, which was our (laughs) objective for going to this. Yes. Let's get an interview with Ishiguro for this podcast. We got it. This is the biggest person we've ever talked with in Adam. We did not ask much about the PlayStation 3 game for obvious reasons. And he did also talk about there are politicians in Japan who sort of pride themselves on being like, for otaku, or at least... Yeah, that guy was mentioned on Anime News Network. Yeah. Yes. But he lost, didn't he? Yeah. I think so, but... He did lose. Ishiguro was interested if there were politicians American politicians. <laughs> like that. And we, we did mention that we have Joseph Lieberman, who happens to hate all the stuff that we like. Yes, he so. campaigns on the anti-video <laughs> yes. game comic book yes. stuff. Yeah, I think a, a politician needs to recognize this audience. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> Ken Jennings had his Totoro, and he won millions of dollars on Jeopardy. <laughs> yeah. Come on, Barack oh. Obama. I know you got a <laughs> Dragon Ball got a Z t-shirt. <laughs> he just needs to put on the hair, the styrofoam hair. That's right. <laughs> Show up to a debate. Make a website he can, like that. He the, can be like, like that one uh, wrestler like politician a, in Japan who wears his mask. The great Sasuke. There's so yes. many wrestler politicians. No, he Japan. needs to need He needs more. to make a website like Alicia's uh, boyfriend. Galissa oh, Chan. Yeah. Man, what All happened right. to Derek? Oh, anyway. we, should talk about, we should talk about AWA some more. So yeah, that kind of closed out Friday, and then Saturday, we also had to get up so that we could get to an 11 a.m. Anime and Academia panel, which was run by Helen McCarthy, who I got to talk to for the first time at this convention, and who is really awesome. Yeah, I saw her in the elevator on Friday with Lloyd Carter, who's the chair of AWA, and I said to Paul, who was with me, I said, this is Helen, this is Lloyd, take a good look, this is the only time you'll see the man standing still (laughs) for the next three days. And I was right. Yeah. That guy is busy. Yes. She talked a lot about the new edition of the anime encyclopedia and writing about anime and manga in this sort of manner and getting published and making schedules and all the sorts of 
ins and outs of doing it, and it was really fascinating. I actually was confused because I actually thought that there was another like writing about anime panel, but I guess that was the other. That was the one. Yeah, it was um, the writing dub scripts or you know writing for anime as opposed yeah. to writing about anime. Yeah, because that that panel that Helen did was, as you say, it was fascinating. Yeah, she did talk about things like if you want to write things and you want to try and get a book deal, this are the things that you have to do to get a book deal. And don't worry mm-hmm. that there are people like her and TV's Patrick Macias who have books already because they need more people. Yes. It has inspired me to, 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 to it has inspired me to think about writing a particular book that she was using as an example. But uh, <laughs> I like the example so much that I that you're going to steal it. it was I really a wish good I could example. Go. I know TV's Patrick Macias was telling me to write a book. I really well, wish Well, didn't I... she say somebody should actually write that book? Well, yeah. that was the second example. She was using another example that I really liked a lot. I don't know as much about schoolgirl outfits as some I people think. I'm might actually think. supposed to be writing a paper for a, an upcoming book that my boss is working on. So, I don't know. Yeah, maybe that'll happen, but uh so it's sort of a different kind of focus. But anyway, yeah, we did actually also get to interview Helen. Yes, yes, we did, which was another very good interview, and we've got audio of that, and we'll dump that on you guys as well. For all the other podcasters wondering, how did we land interviews? I could, or I should, take up the false pretense, like, oh, when you're Anime World Order and you're true press, that you know, you go out and you do the work. No, we didn't do jack shit. It's, it's all, all Walter Amos giving us phone yep. calls, yeah. saying, hey, you want to talk to someone? Sure. I don't know what Walter did. The same way that we got to write for Otaku USA, not because we're talented, but just because we know Patrick Macias. Just, it's more like out of desperation. Like, Patrick <laughs> was desperate. So. Oh, God, we need people to fill these pages. If you run a panel where you show clips from Jetman dubbed in <laughs> English by Malaysian people and Patrick Macias is there and then he talks to you and then the next thing you know you're going out for barbecue and then two years pass. So is that how you got to know Patrick? Yes, that is how I met Patrick because uh-huh. he was at AWA <laughs> once back when Cruising mm-hmm. the Anime City came out. An otaku guide to Neo Tokyo, say the full title, you jackass. Yes, I'm sorry. Uh, it's my mistake. <laughs> Taku Guide to Neo Tokyo, most important title. And so that's how I met TV's Patrick Macias. Yeah. And that's how we got the interview for the podcast, etc. Next up at noon was kind of interesting because at that time, the three of us were actually supposed to do a panel called Podcast AWO, where we would sit there and talk about our show and podcasting and whatever else people wanted to talk about. Except there was kind of a problem. I mentioned earlier that AWA has so many things happening that everything overlaps and happens at the same time. Well, it just so happened that there was a really bad scheduling conflict at this point, and at the same time that our panel was supposed to be happening, in another room, the Yamato-themed interview with Ishiguro was supposed to be going on, hosted by Walter Tim Aldred. Was it Tim Aldred? It was Tim Aldred. When you mean our panel, basically it was just the same panel that we did last year. Right, and we figured that we're never going to get a chance to see Ishiguro very much again, and Tim had requested that we record it for his purposes, right. so he could have I mean, it. We're not going to upload that one. But, and yeah, I mean, this so we, is, so this we is actually like, did kind of an interesting thing, and we actually ditched our own panel. Yes, we ditched our own panel to go to something else, which we deemed <laughs> more important. Well, I mean, this is the biggest Star Blazers fan in America, with the creator of Yamato. You'll right, never right, see right. that again. Sorry, Steve Harrison. You can't be the biggest Star Blazers oh, fan. He's going to be mad at me. Mad at Gerald. Gerald's the one who said it. <laughs> hey, he, he was dissing Ichiro Mizuki. Then he dissed you back for <laughs> dissing Ichiro Mizuki's dissing. He's, he brought it. Is the Trace Buster Buster. 
in any case, <laughs> Gerald got served. We handed off that panel, and I told Paul to say he was me. <laughs> And uh, see how many people bought it. He is basically the white Daryl Surratt. No, he's he's that is obnoxious. He's Max 2.0. Mm. The white Daryl Surratt is David Riley. But he dresses. No, no, no. Oh, but as he, far as fashion sense, yes, we have like a similar fashion sense. You guys look somewhat similar. I guess Same, similar hairstyles as well. I don't know what happened at this panel. None of us were there. No. The only thing I ever heard about it was. On Otaku Generation, they were saying, because they don't like Aaron and Noah at all, they were saying, like, oh, these people came in and they brought attention to us being in the crowd and everyone in the audience was way more interested in us than hearing dumb old Aaron and Noah. And I can believe that because Aaron's a girl. <laughs> no, I showed up for it for about 15 minutes and just sort of explained where we were, why we weren't there, and recommended that everybody go to that yes. instead. Yeah. Nobody left, <laughs> so I yeah. guess they were people who were genuinely interested in podcasting that knew who we were and wanted still to hear about podcasting. So right. congratulations to you folks. I haven't actually heard from people regarding what happened at this panel or not. I guess it's the general what we would have said. Right. As for the Yamato interview, it was, of course, very good. Tim Eldred is a huge old school Star Blazers fan and works with the official owners of Star Blazers in the United States on various different things. Uh, Starblazers.com being the yes. main one. Yeah. He, draws um, he the, also uh, did a documentary. Really good documentary. Yes. A very yes. good documentary about Yamato that I recommend everyone check out. Space Battleship Yamato, The Making of an Anime Legend. If you find that, pick it up because it is absolutely fascinating. Yes. There's nothing else like it. So because Tim knows so much about Yamato and Star Blazers, he was able to ask a lot of really fascinating questions for Ishiguro and it was a very, very enjoyable interview. And so look forward to an upcoming issue of Otaku USA magazine where we're, there's going to be the articles that Tim yes. write up regarding that discussion that he had. Yes. He had additional things as well. So yeah. be sure to check that one out. Early Saturday was kind of a sequence of really good panels back to back because right after the Yamato interview, in fact, in the very same room, was a panel called I Heart the 70s. Which, as Merrill. you can imagine... Yes, by Dave Merrill, which was all about anime from the 1970s. Excellent panel again. It should be noted that these panels existed before AWA was the giant 10,000 people convention as well. It, it was right. entirely by virtue of the fact that all these awesome people ran the convention. Right. Yeah. And it, again, it, it wasn't like he was just taking YouTube clips. He was showing no. stuff from his collection. It wasn't all just stuff that everybody knows. It was really neat, obscure stuff from the 70s. Yes, definitely. Just what I'd expect from Dave Merrill. And he's always able to talk about what he's showing and give you some information about it. And so there was a really good range of stuff that he played. It was just a, a really great kind of encapsulation of what is probably one of the best decades for anime and manga. Needed a bigger room. I mean, you wouldn't think that a name with I Heart the 70s go to anime convention that you need a bigger room for it. But the yeah. place was filled. Mm-hmm. Yes. It wasn't even, like, all a bunch of old people, either. It was just, like, yeah. no. anime con attendees. Pack the room. It wasn't, fact, like, a disproportionate yes. amount of a bunch of 50-year-old men or anything like that. In yes, fact, there was I've another old-school panel later on that I wanted to go to, but I couldn't get in the room because the room was full. Yes. I've actually been quite pleased with AWA in general that you do see a good range of people in some of these panels that focus on older material, that it isn't all the 30-plus-year-old crowd that... There actually are a decent number of the younger attendees that will show up to check these things out. 
And that's on top of the regular anime con yeah. stuff they have, too. I mean, we're not mentioning that it's there because we didn't go to them, but they're there as well, and people go to that. Oh, yeah, they, they had a Haruhi panel, oh, they oh, have yeah, a yeah, Plushies yeah. panel, they have cosplay panels, they have all the stuff you expect. Right, yeah, I mean, we can only really talk that much about the stuff that we actually attended, because, of course, since we weren't there for the other things, we don't know that much about what went on. But they always have an entire cosplay track with really good panels. Some of them run by friends of ours who are very knowledgeable. As we mentioned earlier, there's always an entire AMV track and a huge AMV competition. AWA is a major con for that. And there's always tons of dub voice actor panels and ADR director panels. There's ball-jointed doll panels, all kinds of art technique panels, and they always have a really good artist alley. And so there's just tons and tons of stuff. There's only three of us, and so we can't really make it to everything. And what's um, worse is so that we all have kind of the same interests. In yeah, not entirely, but our interests overlap to a certain extent, so yes. Yeah, the panel that Gerald was talking about that he couldn't get into, I believe it was Anime 1982. Yep, I tried to get into there. I think I got in for the end of it, perhaps. It wasn't let in at first either, and then I tried a second time and I was let in. This one is run by Dave Merrill as well as Christian Nutt. Not Christian Nutt, god damn it. I hate Christian Nutt. <laughs> it was run by Christian Smith. Smith. <laughs> Not to be confused with Christian Nutt, whom I despise. <laughs> Should you explain who Christian Nutt is for He's people? He's a guy who is a jaded video game reviewer who writes for New Type or something like that. I don't yeah. know, he doesn't do that anymore, but he's a, he's a video game reviewer, and he used to write reviews for Anime Jump, and I vehemently disagree with pretty much everything he ever says all the time. And all he does is post on the Anime Jump forums about how he's too cool for anime, but he posts about anime a lot to say how he's too cool <laughs> for it. So, whatever. Anyway, Anime 1982 is an excellent panel. Yes. C.B. Smith and Dave Merrill, they do variants of this every year. What they do is, for every year, they say, what was anime like 25 years prior to now? Right. Excellent In idea. In the previous year, it was anime 1981. In the year yep. before, anime 1980. Mm -hmm. Next year? Anime 1983. And so, CB is a super duper smart guy, and I tried to get at least a quick recording of him and his wife, Elizabeth Christian Smith, who also posts on our blog comments. Unfortunately, my portable recorder microphone did not record anything. This is the second time that happened. It happened to me at Dragon Con as well, so I need to buy a new one of those. Mm. Is CB the one who hates everything, though? He has the reputation as being the guy yes. who hates everything, <laughs> but he, he doesn't actually hate everything. No, it's just an act. <laughs> he speaks about the things that he hates quite often. Uh. <laughs> I think it's more like he talks about everything in such a detailed manner that you assume that he hates it, when in fact... <laughs> it's like uh, Evangelion. Yeah. I don't think he hates Evangelion. His official stance on Ava is that it is a failure at what it set out to do, but it is an interesting failure nonetheless, and it is interesting to watch for that aspect. Mm. You could interpret a statement like that to say he hates Ava, and that's why he frequently is put opposite Carl Horn on the Ava panels, because Carl's the guy who likes Ava, and CB is the guy who will say that Ava didn't do certain things well, but he still knows a ton about Evangelion. Like, he wrote right. a thing called the Annotated Evangelion. Mm -hmm. You can't really write something like that if you hate. Right. Thing, you know what yeah. I mean? So, yeah, CB is super-duper smart. I gotta talk to him again, get an actual recording of yes. things we talked to about him and Elizabeth at some point. Yes. Mentioning oh, Carl Horn, we, we actually skipped some stuff to talk about that panel. Yeah, he had the Dark Horse panel. Right after I Heart the 70s, Carl had his Dark Horse long panel, which is always very good. Carl talks about the upcoming releases that Dark Horse will be putting out. 
he always passes around some samples of books that are out now, as well as stuff that they've just picked up and that's going to be coming out in the future, which is nice to be able to look through. Color of Rage. Yeah, this news is really outdated now, so I'm not going to go into detail about it, but um, it's always a, a good thing to go to because Carl is a, a really smart guy and Dark Horse is usually putting out some pretty interesting things. So. It's worth mentioning they were talking about, I believe, Super Manga Jump or what? what Super Manga Blast. Super Manga Blast. They were talking about the, because that has come to an end. It came to an end a little yes. while ago. And they, the one thing that they did talk about was that the titles that were in there that are no longer being put out, they're not gone. They just don't really know what to do with them. Yeah, Dark Horse is not exactly the biggest comic book company out there, even though they seem to have quite a good bit of luck with their film adaptations, with 300, etc. They have to think about what is financially feasible, even though there's, yeah. they have a lot of good titles, but how do they release this in such a way as to right. make money off of it? Because right. they can't yeah. really lose money on things. That's why Satsuma Gishiden got dropped after the three volumes or whatever, because not enough people were buying it. There's a bunch of things that they're releasing that they've stopped releasing that I was interested in. It's, it's very like, odd that Satsuma Gishiden didn't do well after they said that Lone Wolf and Cub is their number one selling thing, even though it's a 28-volume thing. It didn't get into stores. You just couldn't find it in stores anywhere. Yeah, that's what we were lamenting about even when we talked about it. I couldn't find it. I had to get it mailed to me by Carl. Yeah. yeah. Even stuff like Kurosagi Corpse Delivery Service or Mail, I, I can't. Oh. I just don't see it in the stores, unfortunately. It's or it's very sporadic, you know, where you'll find it. The other good thing about it is that Carl, being um, in such a high position and knowing as much as he does, he's always really good that you can ask him questions about manga or about stuff that Dark Horse is doing, and he will usually give you very uh, detailed, prompt answers. Along with a lot of, like, just Japanese history in general. Yeah, yeah. You'll come away smarter. You always do, from talking to Carl. After that was... What did we go to, maybe? Mech and anime. I didn't know if I went to that. I always end up missing the Mecha block at AWA, because Darius Washington, who is uh, another listener of our show, he's in charge of AWA's video programming, and it frequently turns out that his old-school Mecha anime programming block is almost always scheduled opposite stuff I'm doing. Yes. <laughs> and so I always yeah, end up missing most all of it, which is unfortunate, but he's told me that he's not doing entirely going to guy anymore, even though I would not object <laughs> to entirely going to guy. But yeah, he shows a lot of awesome stuff and people are always there. I mean, I mentioned last year at the con report for the previous AWA, it's the only con you can go to where there's a room full of people all singing the theme song to Grit Mazinger. There's no other con. <laughs> yes. So the next thing I think we did go to was Helen's infamous holiday snaps from Japan, which was somewhat similar to Tim Eldred's panel, except that it was sort of pictures from, I think, a few maybe different times that she's gone. And was she having the computer trouble? Yes. Well, well they, they didn't have a projector, I yeah. think, set up. Uh, okay. So she just sort of had to pull the laptop up and everybody sort of had to crowd around to look at the laptop screen. But she had a lot of really interesting pictures of various places in Japan, including some tokusatsu museum. museums yes various other really fascinating things that they went to again helen's always a really interesting person to listen to it happened at the same time as another panel that i wanted to go to called spot the reference yes um, yeah that about... was robs and i i missed that yes yeah like we said you're gonna miss something really good and there's nothing yeah i think i think it. probably if gerald was gonna be going to the helen mccarthy panel i should have gone to 
spot the reference. I always intend to do that, have a spread out so we can yeah. get more stuff, and then somehow it never ends up happening. It was right after this panel that Tim Eldred walked up to me, and he said that the Ishiguro panel is on in half an hour. Is there anything that you want to ask him? Ishiguro, you could talk to the man for like a hundred hours straight and not get everything that's in his head. And so he gave me a notepad. Unfortunately, I was not asked. (laughs) And yeah, I actually had questions written up and printed, but I was running late for my flight. I left all my questions in my car back in Florida. So I didn't have my questions for Ishiguro. The only questions I had were the ones that Jeremy sent me because <laughs> he emailed them to me and so we had to, through some doing get some internet access so i could download at least his questions to ask him so when we do that interview it's pretty much me just asking jeremy's questions since most of my questions were gone i did not get to ask about streets of fire and i apologize i got to ask no, us there, a lot there of things that i wanted so much but, time. yeah but yeah tim elder gave me this thing and said just write down some questions for him and i wrote down four pages of questions for ishiguro the panel itself had Tim Eldred, Walter Amos, and I think Rob Fenelon. I don't remember exactly. And Ishiguro was able to answer two questions because he answered them in such depth. Was this the one in the main events room? It was in the main events room. Yes. And what really annoyed me was that right after this is the costume contest. And they wanted to cut his panel short. And they did, in fact, cut his panel short, even though he was the guest of honor. What the hell? This is your guest of honor from Japan. If your costume contest is half an hour late, that's actually pretty good for a costume contest. Everybody, including Helen and Walter and all that, were questioning that because Walter didn't have time to start asking Ishiguro about LGH, which he really wanted to do, but they cut things short, and they know how long it takes to prepare for a costume contest. They should probably, like... A good two or three hours before that thing, just shut down the main events and say cosplay setup. And mm. then do all the sound checks and light checks and have all the costumers walk on stage and make sure that everyone can move and all that stuff. Do a much more specified block. Don't cut your guest of honor from Japan who's like one of a kind, like kind of... Living legend. Yeah. 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 You're not really going to get it again. It seems to me like a bad idea. I mean, I would have even given up my panel to let them move it there if it had come to that. And at the very end of the panel, um, Ishiguro did something that was really, really awesome. I didn't even know this. He just stood up. He brought like 200 cells from Artland. And they're just going to give them away to the crowd. And so I got a cell. There's a funny story about that. I've got a cell from uh, Ichi the... Not... um, Ricky, Rikio. Rikio the (laughs) anime. Rikio the anime is a disappointment compared to the movie. I was not actually there when this occurred. I wasn't there when it occurred either. I had to do my own panel. Yeah, yeah it happened too quickly for anybody yeah. to come get me. So, uh, But you did get a sell out of it. I did get a sell later. Helen McCarthy was very nice, and she gave me one of the ones that she had had. And it's a very nice sell. Unfortunately, none of us know what it's from. Maybe we should post it. <laughs> none of us have any idea. And, and unfortunately, uh, some people probably know that for quite some time I've lamented the fact that I have never been able to get my hands on any Legend of the Galactic Hero cells. And Ishiguro, usually when he goes to Expo, he's always got LGH cells. Uh, People always tease me mercilessly with, oh yeah, he goes to Anime Expo, which I can never afford to go to either Otakon or Anime Expo because they are too far away. People always tease me mercilessly with, oh, he just hands them out like candy at Anime Expo. And this would have been my chance to actually get an LGH cell. 
unfortunately, and, uh, there, were no LOG, there were no LOGH cells. I saw every cell that he handed out. Uh, Walter got one. Yeah, Walter did. But well, that was like been, a super well, one he, that Ishiguro presented to him. Yeah, I, like, believe, okay. I believe then he brought one cell for Walter because there, oh, in, that okay. packet of, right. in that packet of things, there were no... LOGH cells. I okay. See, I saw the one that Walter had gotten, so I thought maybe he had more LOGH mm. ones than that. Funny story about the cells they were giving out. It's a really good thing that either Walter or Tim both decided to look through the cells that he was going to give out before <laughs> he gave them out, because some of them were porn, or had naked people having sex or something like that, and they were like, really? oh, we better pull these out and make sure they don't get distributed to this random audience uh, of people yeah how did those get in there <laughs> i didn't get anything so whatever this was actually one instance where because we had gone to dinner with ishiguro and there was more than one panel where ishiguro was interviewed and, and we were also going to do another interview with ishiguro had we'd we already, already done, done the interview point? by then yeah. we spent what was it an hour or two doing a separate special interview with ishiguro that had the three of us and tim eldred Painfleet um, was only an hour. We could have yes. gone four hours with him. Yeah, but uh, unfortunately, schedule time is limited. Yeah, Helen got to interview him as well, but yes. I don't know what's going to happen with the interview that she did with him. It's probably right. going to go in print somewhere. Right. Because of that, this was one instance in which I actually decided to go check out a couple of other things, even though Ishiguro is amazing. Also, um, I believe this panel was recorded as well. I wasn't there to record the main events one. I don't know who did it. Because I was setting up my own panel. They gave me the job of running around the audience to get questions, but that never right, happened. Right. So at the time that the Ishiguro panel was going on, at first there was a panel called the Drama of J-Drama, um, run by, was it Elizabeth? It was Elizabeth Christian Smith yes. and one other lady whose name is escaping me, but I yes. know it's Elizabeth's panel. Right, yes. Run by Elizabeth Christian Smith. Very, very interesting person to talk to, as are very a lot of people at AWA. Yeah, another person um, who we were saying we'll get her on the show, and it's been over yes, a year. Yes, yes. And it, oh, it was boy, a very good panel. Um, she definitely talked about some J-dramas that I have never heard of. I'm not really that huge into J-dramas. I've only watched maybe a couple of things. There's some stuff that I will absolutely have to check out. Yeah, she also, in addition to J-dramas, she plugged uh, the awesome movie that I like a lot, Survive Style 5 Plus, Yes, which uh, is an exceptional film. Uh, one of my friends, he doesn't own DVDs, period, but he owns this movie. <laughs> That's his one <laughs> DVD that he's got. Yeah. <laughs> Following that, that and also too. sort of overlapping the Ishiguro panel was, Daryl, your panel of doom. Yeah, that's right. This year it was actually in color, so hooray. The laptop that I bought it actually works. <laughs> it was in the same room as it was last year, Kennesaw Ballroom, which was also where Tim interviewed Nobuo Ishiguro. There was right. one thing about that projector. The red level was way too high, so anything red was bleeding out. And I remember during... Ishiguro's panel, he'd mentioned when he was watching this old footage, he said, must be older footage from the whatever time, because eventually it was decided that the Yamato wasn't going to be such a bright red. Looking back, I now realize it was just the projectors messed up. Uh. I thought it went pretty well. Again, a lot of people show up for it. And it's yes. one of those things where there's a lot of people sitting down in front and all that. I'm not going to say there's a thousand people like Anime Hell, but I mean, it's a, it's a respectable <laughs> thing considering that it's running opposite the AMV contest right. and such, which usually is what Aaron and Noah go to. This year, they decided to do the weakest joke of all because, I mean, it had been telling me for months, hey, we're going to shoot you with a clown pistol at AWA and look what I bought. And so it's like, 
okay, great. Now I know that at some point this is going to happen. And I hadn't seen him at all for the weekend. Other than the Walter and Rob interview on Friday, I didn't see Aaron and Noah. And in fact, I barely even saw Gerald and Clarissa over the weekend because I'm running around doing I don't know what. And I didn't see the people who I was staying with in my room very much either. Because hmm. AWA is one of those things where there's always something that you got to do. So at some point as I was running uh, clips from Silent Night, Deadly Night 2 <laughs> as part of this panel... <laughs> Noah calls me, but Noah is sitting about five feet away from me. It's more than that, but yeah. It, yeah, it's it's like a distance away, but I, he's within my eye distance, and he's looking at me, and then he starts to like talk like a gangster. You think this is funny? You think this is funny, man? And then Gerald and Clarissa shoot me in the back. He shot me in the back. I shot you in the side, actually. I was sitting right next to you. Okay, I just remember <laughs> it wasn't in the face. I think Gerald shot you in the back. Yeah, I was shot in the back, and I didn't see it. I just heard sound. I didn't react to it because this is weak, Aaron and Noah. One, you're supposed to... I like the idea of calling in a hit on somebody. That's a really (laughs) good idea. It does help if the lights aren't completely dark. Yeah. So people can actually see it happening. Well, no, the muzzle flash is good. I like the idea of... Because, you know, I saw Equilibrium. That's a good movie. I just bought the theatrical (laughs) poster. And you can light an entire scene with muzzle flashes. But Noah shouldn't have even been in the room. (laughs) It should have been like a remote location. I thought it was kind of weak in a Family Guy-style moratorium on the clown pistol because it had been upgraded to the clown submachine gun. (laughs) Because one of the people who was staying with me in the room, I didn't know they had this, but they bought a gun that fires marshmallows. Oh, so you didn't bring that? That No, it's not mine. It's it's Crystal's gun. It's not my gun. And she just brought it to the con just because. And I was like, hey, this is good. I need this. To shoot people with at a panel. Helen McCarthy remarked it was a waste of perfectly good marshmallows. Yes. <laughs> so anyway, because of this Family Guy style stealing of the joke, very sad and dismayed that there can't be any more clown pistolings because people are doing it wrong. Because between AFO and this, sorry Jonathan, you did it wrong too. You shot me in the back after missing like six times. <laughs> And after announcing it as well. So no more, because everyone's expecting it now. So no New York Anime Festival clown pistoling, period. <laughs> clown submachine gun, maybe, if I can get another. But yeah, so I thought the, the panel went really well. Yeah. Came off pretty good. A lot of people liked it. As always, a lot of people come up to me afterwards, ask me where to get stuff. Once again, proving that even though YouTube has everything, no one can see everything on YouTube. Well, you have to know how to find it. Yeah. Or somebody has to link you to it. And that's the issue. Santa Slay and Silent Night, Deadly Night 2. That was kind of the overarching <laughs> themes of this one with the murderous Santa Clauses. Even though all the clips from Silent Night, Deadly Night 2 did not involve Santa Claus murdering people. So yeah, that was that. It went from 7 to 9. Yes. And then afterwards, it was room parties for the rest of the night for me. Right. Sort of overlapping the end of the panel of doom, Gerald and I have made trips to the dealer's room and I spent far, far too much money. I don't actually want to think about how much money I spent. Was it one of those cases where you spend so much money and then, oh no, now I don't have money to pay for the room? (laughs) No, not quite. I knew that I spent a lot, but it didn't quite realize how much, so it was more than I thought afterwards when I looked at the credit card bill. Overlapping somewhat the end of the panel of doom was an autograph session for Mm -hmm. Ishiguro. I had intended to bring my Macross DVD box set As did to have I. him sign, except yep. I am retarded, and so of course I completely forgot to bring it. As did I. Yes. <laughs> I brought it, but then I found something so much better for him to sign. It seemed that all the Ishiguro things always overlapped with something I had to do that week. So I'm actually a little bit mad, because 
Gerald, unlike me, remembered to bring his Macross DVD set, but rather than go ahead and get that signed, we proceeded to buy the exact same LOGH poster, and he proceeded to get that signed. Paul got his Astro Boy set signed, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. Yes. That's right. Which I also did not bring. Therefore, somewhat lessening the awesomeness of what I got signed, but it was still good. Hey, you wouldn't have known those existed if I hadn't called you over. So once again, I got nothing signed and received nothing from nobody, except for Tim Eldred. Tim's the only one who loves me. Gave me an awesome Pat Labor SB2 mug and a GoGo 13. Well, you could have probably found something and asked Gerald to get it signed, but you know he probably wouldn't have done it because he was too busy getting too many things signed for himself. Probably. Oh, I well. got two things signed for myself and one for Paul. I will live. There we go. But oh yeah, Tim Eldred also gave me a Pat Labor SB2 card holder and the LP to Future Police Urashima on the opening. And also, the most wonderful thing of all. The official art book for the humanoid. <laughs> I thought he gave know. you a Streets of Fire thing. No, no he didn't give Paul, it. Right? Okay, Paul got the Streets of Fire one. Tim gave him that, or was that? Yeah, Tim game? gave it to him. The humanoid. I'm so happy yeah. that there's an art book for this. <laughs> of course there is. There was art books <laughs> for everything. Everybody else got their stuff from Tim far before I actually managed to run into Tim and get my stuff. So I, I kept wondering. I kept seeing all these awesome things that people got and wondering what he, he possibly bought for me, and other people saw it and made vague comments about what it was, but would not tell <laughs> me. So um, I got a lesser number of things than other people did, but it, it's okay, because what I did get was really, really awesome. I believe at some point on the show we, we may have talked about these releases of some Tezuka manga that were done that were super tiny pocket editions. I can't actually remember if we talked about it. I may be thinking of a different Tezuka release that we talked about. Tim Eldred actually got me the entire run of the Japanese blackjack manga in super small editions. They fit in these two plastic cases they're like matchbox sized. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Each individual book is like smaller than a playing card. So they're very, very nice indeed. It was a really awesome gift. He tells me that he, he located them in a department store, I believe it was, a section for very fancy office accoutrements for business. For men, yes. Yes, among like very expensive pipes and, <laughs> and other sort of things that you put on your desk to look very Gold pens impressive. And yes, yeah. there was these run of blackjack manga and super tiny editions. So that that makes sense. Nothing makes you look more sophisticated and fancy than blackjack. That's very true. No, they could have gotten maybe some Golgo thirteen brand cigars or something. It's also in format that's too small to actually read comfortably, which it only makes it look even more impressive. You need a giant <laughs> magnifying glass. <laughs> yes. So yeah, Tim got us all really awesome stuff, and we, we'd like to thank him for picking up stuff for us while he was in Japan, living the dream. Perhaps we'll have Tim on tell us about his trip to Japan. We should. We should. In a year. Two years. <laughs> but, <laughs> but yes, so after autographs from Ishiguro and awesome presents from Tim, it was indeed Saturday night, which meant it was time for room parties. As with every year at AWA, there was Desil Oktoberfest, and for whatever reason, Carl Horn also throws a room party overlapping Desil Oktoberfest, which means 
all of us have to traipse back and forth between two parties constantly throughout the evening. Well, Carl's is one that anyone can show up to, and Death's Oktoberfest is invite only. Invitation only. So yeah. I can understand that. Carl's this year, the theme, he was saying it was going to be AWO again, but given that this year was 20th anniversary of Wings of Oniamis, he had to do Wings of Oniamis. Yes. So he had <laughs> a Shiroskula <laughs> Dot uh. costume that he had worn for a Halloween once. We were talking about it, and he just stopped like in mid-conversation. He's like, did I do coke in this outfit? I, I, yeah, I think I did. <laughs> so he had this on the pedestal, and then he had this fold-out display of like Hayao Miyazaki and Hideaki Anno, I think, were the people on there. Well, it was their heads pasted onto illustrations of religious icons, wasn't it? Carl always does very spectacular posters. <laughs> And other decorations for serving many very fancy which, ginger beer. Many of which I have to scan for this archival project yes, that's put together. Yes, classic Carl Horn party posters. It's a, so again, it's a anything trail. you've got—that's interesting. I, for one, would really like to wonder if maybe the preservation was done on the Azamanga Dio Jack Chick tract. That was a good we combination. We can only hope. Oh, boy. I mean, there was also the uh, combination Gunbuster mixed with the Playboy interview of. <laughs> Man, I don't even remember who it was, but it might have been, like, Kennedy or something weird. <laughs> that was a good party. Yes. It made up for the really weak clown pistoling I got, because I got an exceptional one from a friend. <laughs> Point blank, directly to the face. Completely unexpected. See, how can you declare a moratorium on clown pistolings if you're still getting good ones like that? Well, because with my last breath, I cursed Zoidberg. <laughs> And pulled the gun very slowly and shot him in the head, very Call of Duty-like. But still, there's too many weak sauce imitators, and I was killed by an originator, so it's all right. <laughs> that was good. Um, Death's Oktoberfest um, was, actually went very well. Yeah. The theme for Death's Oktoberfest this year was LOL Blazers. Yes, a combination of LOL Cats and Star Blazers. Yes, it was very good. They had uh, different screen caps from episodes of Star Blazers. Lots of things that I don't remember happening with suitably ridiculous lolcats captions on them. They said that that was inspired by you, and I'd love yes, to know... Yes, it was inspired uh, by Clarissa. I don't actually love... remember this piece of dialogue that inspired it. Maybe when they just hear you, they think of... Think of, of some, a lolcat spouting and... some bizarre broken <laughs> English phrase. Yeah, maybe that's what it is. Should I, should I be flattered or insulted? I don't flattered. Know. <laughs> Death Oktoberfest is always very good. A lot of really awesome people show up. Lots of the people that we've talked about running really good panels, like Dave Merrill and Dave the Third and Elizabeth Christian Smith, oh. Walter Amos and Rob it's Fenelon. And did we talk about Mike Horn and his Godzilla panel? Or did any of you guys go to that? I didn't go to I it. I didn't go to that. Okay, Paul went to it. Oh, okay. I, uh, but I, I was uh, giving Mike advice on, like, how do you want to attack this one? Do you want to go all cerebral on them with the Godzilla panel? Or do you want to just give an overview? I'm like, just screw it. Do whatever you want. Because it wasn't just Mike running. It was some other guy, too, whom uh, I don't remember the name. I think it's worth noting that two of the people that came to that panel, I don't know who their names were, but there were two young people who were dressed up in Star Blazers outfits who got photographs with Ishiguro. I got pictures of them from Katsukon like two years ago. So yeah. that's kind of like their thing is that they go to cons, one's dressed as uh... I don't remember. <laughs> Come on, you're, you're losing your cred, Daryl. You're losing. I'm sorry, I'm just trying to remember what they were dressed as and I'm drawing a blank. Yeah, I always forget his name too. Yeah, it's a Wildstar Adventure. Yes. I just got up. That's my excuse. <laughs> 
They also, I believe, were dressed up in 3-9 outfits. I feel they were the same people. Yeah, they were dressed up, I think they were dressed up as... Maytel and, yeah, and Tetsudo. Yeah. Most of the time I was chatting with Derek and his co-worker from Media Blasters all about incredibly horrible horror movies, like Cannibal Holocaust. And right. things like Paul was talking with Mike most of the time until I made Noah come in and confront him with his anti-Fred Astaire sentiment, oh pro-Gene Kelly support, which... <laughs> thoroughly disgusted Gerald, also me, but I was laughing at it just more because it's a very <laughs> spirited argument. I spent a lot of time talking to Walter and Rob and Helen and also <laughs> Elizabeth. Yeah, I spoke with Elizabeth as well because earlier in the day we'd gone out for lunch and I was like, let's stop at Toys R Us. I want to see if they've got Bioshock on set. <laughs> and she was like, yeah, yeah, let's go. So we're Toys R Us and the anime cons going on. And of course they don't have Bioshock because it's part of the... <laughs> Buy two, get one free sale. Damn you, Toys R Us. But yeah, thank you, Elizabeth, for once again driving me around Atlanta. This is the second time. <laughs> oh, I also spent some time in the uh, viewing room. At this time, I believe Dave Merrill has done it a couple of times. Yes, his old school thing that he does late at yeah. night. So he sets that to run and then goes to the room parties. And he's running between two room parties and the thing. I was sat in on it, and it's very interesting. We're trading some things now, which I actually need to copy, apparently. He does want to see uh, the Lensman TV series. I actually and don't think I made it to that at all. Yeah, I, I usually don't forth. make it either, just because it's running between the two room parties is hard enough. Yeah, I was back and forth between Dust Oktoberfest and Carl's party pretty much the whole time. So, right. trying to manage, talking to people for a while, and then people kind of drift in and out, leave and go back to the other crowd of people, so on and so forth. Right. Right. I think I went to bed at like 3 or 4 in the morning. But I had to be up. I we think have got it was about to, the same. Remember that uh, on Sunday, Clarissa and I have got an eight-hour drive. I had a flight to catch, but it wasn't until later. I mentioned earlier that C.B. Smith and Carl Horn frequently do the Ava panels together. This year, for whatever reason, C.B. either didn't feel like doing it or he wasn't available. So Carl asked, hey, Daryl, do you want to be on the Ava panel? Because this was following Ava Monkey finding our saying that to go to his website and learn all about Ava so we don't have to talk about Ava we said this, like, almost two years ago, <laughs> back when we had Ichigo from Anime Pulse on, we were talking about Razafon and stuff. And so they'd found this and gotten mad, and so his message board was really mad at me, talking about how ignorant I am, don't know about anime, and all that jazz. And so since Carl posts on that forum, so he reads it, he was like, oh, okay, well, I'll have you on for the Ava panel to be, like, the voice of the guy who doesn't like Ava, opposite me. But you realize I haven't watched Ava in several years, and I'm like, oh, whatever, I'll wing it. And so... Promptly, Sunday around noonish, uh, to be back up, and to Carl's credit, so did he, to do this Ava panel, which was a cross between incredibly intellectual and incredibly dumb. A half and half, I'll let you guess which halves were attributed to which. I especially <laughs> like the uh, nerd impressions that Carl and you did. The nerd impressions are always quite... Yeah, yeah, it's Carl's voice <laughs> of like the comic shop sort of guy. Yes! I love Carl's nerd voice. <laughs> no, it was an episode of Triumph for me where we just clearly established and colors and buttocks for maple to cross walnut. You're just making squealing noises, Gerald. That, that's what I remember him doing. We were definitely no, speaking no, no. English phrases of things yes. that people would actually say on the internet. Yes. I was not fronting. Oh, uh, whatever. Unquote. But anyway, after that, he had to promptly ship all his things from the room party back yes. to wherever it was, and I guess catch his flight. Funny story, I had to catch my flight at the same time, and Carl was actually in the airport with us. Like, myself, Aaron, Noah, and Allison 
all of us went back to the airport together. And we saw Carl there because he was also taking a Delta flight. But he completely did not see that we existed. <laughs> he was just like in the zone. <laughs> Must travel. Put yeah, ticket we, in. Receive we boarding pass. Boarding pass acquired. <laughs> We were going nuts because we had to check out of our room and yeah. at the same time the as my panel. Yeah, the worst thing about AWA is checkout day because for whatever reason on Sundays, I guess it's every Sunday, this hotel that it's at, they hold some weird jazz brunch or something. Which somehow makes them a lot of money. Like this more jazz than brunch takes up pretty much the entire like first floor lobby area. And the way that this hotel is laid out, in order to get to the front door, there's one bank of elevators. If you're on the second floor, then there is a small, like, staircase with a couple of escalators that go down into this first floor lobby, which then allows you to go across to the front door. Well, this area is entirely blocked off. And there's only a few elevators and there's like a billion people at AWA on Sunday everybody has to check out of their rooms at the same time I don't know why I they allowed late checkout up to one o'clock yeah I found I out of... later that I didn't even have to go to the checkout they just automatically check you out but you do have to get all your stuff out of the room yeah and that's the problem is not getting down to checkout necessarily, but everybody getting all their stuff out of the rooms and down to their cars. And in the previous years, they actually had either hotel staff or con staff manning each elevator to make yeah. sure that people weren't messing around on the elevators. And I think I sort of saw some of that with the hotel like during the con, but not on Sunday. For whatever reason, hotels have not engineered some sort of system for better staggering checkouts. And also, the hotel has a fairly strange restriction, at least to me. There are staircases on uh, both sides of the floors. They're located very far from the elevators, though. Yeah. But the problem is, is that on Sunday, when everyone's trying to get out of the rooms, the elevators are hopelessly clogged. And you have to sit there in the case for me and some other people, holding very heavy luggage. As you're waiting for the elevator. Yeah, waiting for ages for an elevator that actually has enough space to get on because the elevators are full with everyone else's luggage. And if you so, try to take the stairs, then they want to call security on you. Yeah. That is not usually the case. Usually they open up the stairs. Throughout most of the weekend, people were using stairs with no problem. But on Sunday, the time when people need to use the stairs the most is when they decide to actually be Nazis about letting people use the stairs. I don't understand that. If they're not going to bother to block it off for the rest of the weekend, I don't know why they block it off on the day when people actually need it the most in order to get their crap down to their cars. And the thing is that I had to get down to the main events room because Tim Eldred was leaving on his plane in like 10 minutes. I hope he might have even yes. been late for the flight because he had to get me one last thing. Yes. And, and so. I did not get to see Tim before he left because of this delay, because I could not actually take the stairs, even if we had been allowed to because of the particular luggage I had to carry and such. So, uh -huh. yeah, we waited for ages for an elevator that was not full with people's luggage or that did not have assholes who would not uh, let you onto the elevator. Even yeah, I actually sort space. of knew this was going to happen. And so what I thought I'd try and do to alleviate that 
was I requested a high floor for my room. The idea being that everybody takes it down to the lobby to get rid of luggage. And then as the elevator comes up, generally speaking, it wouldn't be full if you were at the top. So, like, you know how it is. People get on and then it goes down every single floor, stopping each time. Right. And then people get on. If you're at the top, people would get on there first. And so I'd only have to deal with the club level floor getting on first. I didn't have to wait very long. So maybe yeah. that does work. Maybe. The downside is that it is absolute hell getting back to your room during the con. Yeah. Mm. I think I the idea is... I was really uh, infuriated because at least at one point... We um, attempted to get onto an elevator that seemed to have some space that was going up. And we figured, well, we'll just get on now and go up and then come back down. I have to stand I here think a lot of with people my did luggage that. anyway. Except we kept running into elevators full of assholes who would not actually let you onto the elevator if you did not actually need to go up. I told him, how the hell am I supposed to get down? Because every time the elevator door opens, it's too full and I can't get on and I have to check out. I think a lot of times in the past, they would actually have con volunteers or hotel staff actually enforcing that, making sure that there weren't people riding it up just to go back down because they, I guess they're of the opinion that it is faster to have only traffic going down than traffic going both up and Well, down. I can tell you that's bullshit. Yeah, I don't know From why. I've never experience. seen it. I could have gotten down far earlier with my stuff if I had been able to get into one that was going up and then just wait for it to go back down. It would be one thing if it was actual con staff doing that, but this was just random people. You know what? I bet they were like holding it for their own friends to get on or probably. something. Probably. I probably should have punched them in the face, but I didn't. So. It was really hectic. I think next year what I need to do is just put all of my stuff except the night essentials the night before, and then so I just have a small bag of stuff that I can just walk yeah. down the stairs. That's probably the way to do it. Yeah, yeah, it's just hard to do it for the morning. Saturday night is really hectic, though. There's always so many things happening, so it's kind of hard. Like, probably something I should remember for next year. Just yeah. do it the night before. So, and anyway, we meant to get out of there a lot earlier than we did. Well, part of that was because here in Florida, we don't really have much of a Japanese community. We have a fairly sizable... Um, Korean and Thai. Vietnamese. Most, yeah, mostly Vietnamese. Vietnamese and Thai areas with lots of stores for that. But we don't really have a lot of Japanese people. And so in some areas like New York or California, you'll have um, large Japanese American communities. And so you'll have Japanese bookstores. Florida doesn't have that. But Atlanta, where AWA is held, actually does have at least one Japanese bookstore. They were actually in the dealer's room at AWA, but their selection there was fairly small. So we decided that we'd try and find some time to actually go by their store location and see what they had in stock there. So after we left on Sunday, we went by there. It was kind of nice. I placed an order for a couple of Maria Samagami novels that they shipped me later because they didn't actually have them. And I picked up a pretty awesome Takarazuka magazine with some pretty kick-ass pictures. I found something else that was really cool, which completed the trend of AWA being Blackjack Con, because Tim Eldred gave me those Blackjack manga editions, and in the dealer's room, I was able to purchase a really awesome Blackjack official poster for the 90s OAVs. And then at the Japanese bookstore, I found a Blackjack display figure. I picked up these pins of Getter Robo, 
I was very happy ah, to find yes. it was the three pewter pins from Get a Robo. They only had one of those, didn't they? No, yeah. he has a set of one, it's two, and three. three. It, yeah, they but they only, only had one, had one, one copy, right? Yeah, that was yeah, all I guess so, because I don't have one. I, I probably would have picked it up, too, but I think there was only one. Yeah, they also really actually heavy. had a, a neat promotional thing going on where if you were somebody who had attended the convention, if you mentioned this, you could actually get like a special bonus item, which was a set of uh, Lapita figures. Well, it was, a, it was a number of things, and one of the nicest things they had there was the Lapita set. Right, right. Yes, because I think we both ended up getting that. Yeah, we ended um, up getting home at around 2 a.m., much later than we had attended. But, yeah, but it was worth it. We forgot our stop on the way up to buy way too many pecan-related confections. Only to have it all melt in the car. Yes. And the stop on the way down, which was amazing. At the best gas station ever. Is it the gas station in Atlanta where they have like a billion types of jam? No. no. It's okay. even better than that. <laughs> it was I have a like a page and a half of notes in my notebook that I carry with me about this gas station. Because if I ever write any sort of book or whatever that would involve going to a gas station, I need to incorporate this into it. It was really terrifying, but awesome. Yeah. It was good. I'm glad we stopped at it. Anyway, it was a very, very good con. I'm so glad that there are conventions out there that'll take risks with what they hold with panels and things like that. Right. Everything is full, no matter what. I don't know where they're going to expand stuff to, because once again, I could say... Oh, I need to be in a bigger room. Where are they going to move me? There's nowhere to move me that's like a bigger room. Short yeah. of like other bigger rooms that are also filled completely to capacity. Right. It's a good problem to have, I guess, if you're running a convention. Mm-hmm. Right. So many things going on, all of which have a lot of people there. Previous year, there was just tons and tons of people out for Advent Children. This year was the Bleach movie, the way they handled it. They knew so many people were going to go and want to see the first Bleach movie. They had to give out tickets and say, okay... Here, the tickets are free. Just come and take one of these, and then you can be here for the 2 a.m. showing. Because they have to just keep showing it over and over to get everybody to see this thing. Right. And that's not a pro thing you usually see that often in the video game rooms. Other interviews we did, I talked to a bunch of the guys who were in the video game rooms at AWA who also happened to run this message board that, nah, nobody ever uses it. But it's this bizarre, obscure message board. They have, like, these four video game rooms going on at AWA, all of which are also packed crazy amounts, even though the video games are, like, second-class citizens <laughs> at uh, AWA as far as, here, you get a full wing of the hotel, go away. Right. They're expanding out into the convention center area with the cosplay block and where they had the concerts and all that. Did any of you guys go to concerts? I usually go to P. Lander Z, but since I had seen them before and the concerts usually end up overlapping the room parties on Saturday evening... I didn't actually duck out this year to go to them. It's a good con. I wish all other cons would use AWA as the model, but oh well. Anyway, I'm going to hit stop on this so the rest of the world can just wonder in suspense what the hell was up with the gas station anyway. Okay, that's going to do it for our Anime Week in Atlanta convention report. Hopefully in the next few days, the rest of the show will get posted. So look forward to it.